start off in the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 2. And I will preface by saying that I am not by any means an expert in this area or this topic or some, you know, just what we're going to be discussing today or talking about. Do not consider myself an expert by any means. Uh, But I do believe that when the Word of God or when the Lord uh, provides or gives a message, it is the right word for the right time for the right people. And I believe that God has that word this morning. And, uh, and so we are going to uh, learn something today and we're going to experience something today. Amen from God. The word of God says in Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he cried and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the valley of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Praise God. You may be seated. Amen. Heavenly Father, I praise your name, and I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. May you anoint my lips, my mind, my Lord, in the execution of your word this morning. Prepare that heart. Let it be open. Let your word, my Lord, fulfill its purpose this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. And um, you guys may be extremely, extremely familiar, amen, with this um, with this passage, amen. Uh, overall, the storyline regarding Jonah, right? If I were to take a poll here, I think everyone would say they know part of this story, amen. They know what it's about. And uh, it is a story that's been read to, to children uh, uh, in passages discussed in Sunday school classrooms. Um, but I want us to see a few details regarding Jonah and his state of mind in this particular experience. Amen. And so, as we read, it says we have, you know, we have Jonah in a very desperate situation. Amen. One that he could not get himself out of. Amen. And he knew that there was only one thing that he could do. I mean, there was, he was confined to this space, being in this, in this area, and there was literally no recourse for him. There was nothing else for him to do, and uh, uh, he even states he thought he was going to die. I mean, if we keep reading, verse 2 says, Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. In other words, he thought he was halfway down to hell. He, 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 he thought he was going to die. Verse 3 says, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surround me. All your billows and your waves passed me over. I mean, we're going to do a lot of reading today. I love reading. So take out your notepad, take out your pen, and write the scriptures down because it's going to be a lot of scriptures. Verse 4 says, then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. 
Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Verse 5. The waters surrounded me even unto my soul. In other words, he had gotten to a point where he was desperate. He, there was no chance of life. He felt he was dying. He felt he was at his wit's end. He says, the deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Verse 6, I went down to the moorings of the mountains. In other words, to the root of the mountains. I don't know where this fish navigated him or took him. But he says he was at the root of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet... You have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. When did he remember the Lord? When his soul fainted, amen. And my prayer went up to you into your holy temple, amen. Let me tell you, church, you have a God that is compassionate. Amen. Hallelujah. You have a God that is able to respond to a prayer. Amen. A God that is able to respond to the cry of his people. Amen. That's the God that you have. Amen. But you have to make that plea. You have to make that cry. You have to let God know that you need the help. Amen. Hallelujah. You have to let him know that there is nothing more than you can do. That you are all out of recourse and that you need him. Give him a hand praise this morning. Amen. Praise God. And so we need to make that cry. We need to make that plea unto our God. And Jesus outlines this for us in a parable of the evil king and the widow. And you can find this in the book, in the book of Luke. The book of Luke chapter 18 says... Then he spoke a parable to him, or to them. And what was the parable about? That men always ought to pray and not lose heart. You got to continue. You have to continue that memorial prayer. Or you got to continue, amen, making that plea and going to your God. Because he will answer. And, he's, and we see this in verse 2. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. He was wicked. He was evil. Now, there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, or I will do justice for her. 
lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, or this wicked judge. Listen to what he said. And shall God not avenge his own people or his elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? Brothers, do not lose faith. Do not lose heart. Your God is able. Amen. Your God is able to do. Your God is able to answer. Amen. Your God is at hand. He will answer your prayer. He will answer your cry. And, and that's such an amazing thing that we have in our God. We have a God that is living. A God that hears us. A God that is available. We don't serve a, a someone who has been dead and stayed dead. We don't serve an image. We don't, you know, we don't do those things. We serve a living God. But I understand that life happens. And, and sometimes situations cause us to, to slump and it overtakes our mind and we feel as though there is nothing that we can do. At least nothing that can bring a good solution. Who's been there? Like Jonah, the feeling is very, very real and it feels we're halfway through hell and the deep is closing in on you and the water is surrounding you to your soul. It is truly a life or death situation for you. Whether a situation was caused by yourself or it was a situation that you simply walked into or a situation that was caused by someone else and, and brought you trauma uh, you know, to your life. Or a situation that you simply just don't understand. But you're definitely feeling the effects of this. And living with that darkness, with that burden, with that yoke. Living with that weight that just will not lift. And it overpowers and it crushes you. And it wants to end your life. I take a look at what's happening in this country. Let's say this beloved country. Our government, our communities, our fellow man. You kind of don't recognize it anymore. Very different country from 10 years ago. Five years ago, a country that was built on principles, on, on biblical values, is literally going to the pits. The value for human life is astounding. Reduced to nothing more than a decision or a choice. An inconvenience with a solution to end human life. 
And I was thinking about this. And I, I, a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, several weeks ago, I was, I came across an image um, just online as I kind of do some reading and just try to figure out what's going on. And I came across the following image. Um, and this young lady um, is holding this sign. And when I saw that, at first glance, I, I said, what a moron. Actually, I think I may have used a different word, but nothing too evil. But I looked at it, and I was like, where's your head? And so I just dismissed it. And I just kept going about my day. But it bothered me. But it bothered me. And um, as I was just kind of going through the day and then the next day, uh, and I think it was like two days after that, I was in the shower. And it's amazing the revelation that you get while you're in the shower. And so I was in the shower and I was just kind of thinking and the image popped back into my head. And I was like, what? What's it, what's it got to do with me? Like, I, I don't have, you know, I already called her an idiot or whatever, you know? It's just kind of like. And so then the Lord brought something to my mind. And I was like, we don't know the darkness. We don't know the situation. We don't know the life struggles. We don't know what has caused this person to think or to say that they no longer wish to live or that they no longer wish to be a part of this world and that they honestly, they truly wish that they would not have been conceived or they truly wish that their parent would have committed an atrocity, committed an act that would have ended their life. And so I started thinking about this. And then the Lord brought somebody to my mind. And he said, think about Job. Just think about Job. And so I started relating Job to this image that I saw. And I started going back and forth. And I was thinking, this is nothing new. This has been around for some time. This happens to the people of God. This happens to the people, amen, that are serving God and they choose to live, amen, a lifestyle. They choose to serve God with all of their heart, with everything that they have. And yet sometimes there's a thought that says, I wish I was not here. And I want us to read a little bit about what Job went through. And the words that he said, words that perhaps sometimes we are too afraid to say ourselves. And he says in, in verse 1, Job chapter 3, verse 1 says, After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And Job spoke and said, 
May the day perish on which I was born and the night in which it was said a male is conceived. May that day be darkness. May God above not seek it nor the light shine upon it. May the darkness and the shadow of death claim it. May a cloud settle on it. May the blackness of the day terrify it. He hated the day he was born. He was cursing that day. Verse 6 says, as for the night, may darkness seize it. May it not rejoice among the days of the year. May it not come into the number of the months. Oh, may that night be barren. May no joyful shout come into it. May those cursed who curse the day, those who are ready to arouse Leviathan, may the stars of its morning be dark. May it look for light but have none and not see the dawning of the day. Because it did not shut up its doors of my mother's womb, nor hide sorrow from my eyes. Why did I not die at birth? Why did I not perish when I came from the womb? Why did the knees receive me? Or why the breast that I should nurse? For now... I would have lain still and been quiet. I would have been asleep. Then I would have been at rest. He was hating his, his life. And he was equating being dead with peace. He was saying, if I was dead, verse 13, he says, I would have laid still and been quiet. I would be asleep. I would have been at rest. And so he is making this correlation with being in a better place. You know, he is short of saying, I want to end my life. He is cursing the day that he was born. We just read it. And he goes on for 26 verses. Complaining about it. So much pain. So much hurt. So much tribulation in this man's life. He wants to die. The same man that God calls blameless. Upright, perfect, without sin. Read Job chapter 1. Those are attributes that God uses to describe Job. Blameless, sinless, perfect. Now, I'm not saying that everything that he just ranted was correct. Or that he was right in saying so. Because the Lord 
does give him a whooping in chapter 38. And he does it for five whole chapters. The Lord comes back at him. But he was able to say it to God. He was able to say to God what he was feeling and what he wanted to say to his God. He was able to voice how he was feeling and what was not correct. And by way of saying this, he was able to let God know how he felt. And Proverbs says, the book of Proverbs says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And he had pain. He had hurt. He had darkness. He was being tribulated. If that's what's in your heart, what you feed yourself, what you say to yourself, what you think about, the word says, so is he. Let me give you another example of somebody that was conflicted. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 verse 15 says, this is Paul, the mighty Paul. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And he continues with this tongue twister, just trying to make sense of what his mind is telling him and what his body is telling him or his flesh is telling him and he's conflicted of the actions and the things that he is doing and everything that is going on around him. He is definitely conflicted. Let's jump to verse 24. It says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So even as he is conflicted, Paul is saying, who will deliver me from this? And he says, I thank him. 
I thank him. I thank the Almighty who is able to do more than what I can ask him that I need. He is able to do much more than I think that he can do. So like I said when we started, I'm now expert in issues and things that are troubling people. But the Bible says that the Spirit will guide you unto all truth. His word is a light unto our pathway. It is a lamp unto our feet. And so Paul continues writing in this conflicted state just a few chapters ahead. And he says in chapter 12, remember he already said, I know who can deliver me. I know who can help me. And what does he say in chapter 12? Very, very popular scripture there. He says that your mind must be renewed. It cannot conform to the things that continue to feed you pain. It cannot conform to the things that bring hurt. It cannot conform to the disappointment. Amen. It must constantly be renewed so that God's perfect plan can be fulfilled in your life. And he says it. Renew yourself, renew yourself with this word, renew yourself every single day because it is a process. Again, because the word says, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. The word of God attacks it from all sides, from all angles. So, if I could say something is, you're not damaged goods. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for each and every one of us. And so, I was thinking, Lord, how do you want me to say this? What do you want me to say? Why do you want me to say this? This has been going for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks I was like, Lord, I don't even know what to say about this. I don't, I don't even have a, 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 an example, a good thing to say. And I just felt God just put that unction inside of me. It's like, just speak from the word. Speak from the people that are in this book that lived out their lives and were able to have victory because they stayed the course, because they seek me, and because they were able, amen, to cry out to the one and only that can bring a solution, amen, to life and things in general. Hallelujah. And as I study these personalities in the Bible, and how their lives were changed. I can't help but pick up on a few things. A few things that they did. When their life changes. Or when their lives changed. Was when they decided to cry out to God. Jonah cried out to God. Nineveh cried out to God. 
Gideon cried out to God. Hezekiah cried out to God. Esther cried out to God. Mordecai cried out to God. There's a lot of people in this book that were troubled and they called out to their God. In verse 9 of Job where we started, it says, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And I noticed that something that was coupled with their cry was some sort of act of thanksgiving or some sort of worship. I can see it in all these different examples, all these different passages. Something like that was always tied or was always coupled with their cry. Where they just worshiped, where they just gave him thanksgiving. We just talked about Hezekiah. He worshiped God and his life was extended. Gideon worshiped and the battle was won for them. Against a very, very fierce army. Thousands and thousands of enemy warriors. David worshipped and he was restored his kingdom. And the Lord wants to restore somebody today. The Lord wants to restore somebody today. He wants to deliver somebody today but you need to come and you need to talk with your God you need to come and bring it to this altar he doesn't he doesn't answer to a need you can have all the need in the world you can have all the need but he doesn't answer to a need he answers to a cry he answers to a plea, the calling of his people. That is our God. That is who we serve. Let's be on our feet. Let's stand. We're going to finish this sermon today. But I want us to think about challenges if you're struggling through something this morning your God is here and he is able he wants to bring restoration he wants to bring salvation and that's the wonderful thing of our God we serve such an amazing amazing God he is so able amen and I'm going to open up this altar. If somebody wants to come, let me tell you something about King Hezekiah. When the enemy army was against him and the kingdom, he knew that there was no humanly way possible that he could defeat the enemy. And they didn't just, the enemy didn't just sound 
a war cry, a horn, a trumpet that said, we're going to defeat you. They put it down on paper and they wrote a letter to him and they said, we are going to defeat you. We are going to conquer you. And Hezekiah took that letter and he walked into the house of God and he laid it on the altar. And he said, God, this is what my enemy wants to do to me. This is what your enemy wants to do to you because when you are with God anyone that is against you is against your God and he brought that letter into the altar he brought it and he prayed over it and God answered I don't know what report you have I don't know what you've been served with I don't know what you've been given I don't know what your doctor has said to you I don't know what your friend what your spouse what your friend what the school board whatever they anyone has said to you you bring it into this altar and you leave it and you give it to your God amen let's pray this morning amen as our worship team takes us in a song we are going to trust our God